Years before, the name Alec Murdoch was splashed across every major media outlet. I was a local South Carolina journalist, and I had an instinct that something wasn't right in the Low Country. The powerful Murdoch dynasty dominated rural South Carolina for generations. Few dared to publicly utter a harsh word against them. From the newsroom to the courtroom to the kitchen table where we recorded the number one global hit, The Murdoch Murders Podcast, I invite you to learn more about my new book, Blood on Their Hands. Blood on Their Hands gives readers an exclusive inside look into the Murdoch saga and its sinister web of deceit, theft, and murder. I share the challenges of reporting on the many heartbreaking cases involved while pursuing justice for the victims and their families. Click the link in the description to pre-order today. Visit any retailers near you when it releases November 14th, 2023, or visit lunasharkmedia.com book to learn the best way you can stay pesky and stay in the sunlight. I don't know how many crimes Alec Murdoch will be charged in. But this week, the disgraced South Carolina attorney was hit with 27 felony charges. And that is a very big deal. My name is Mandy Matney. I'm the news director at FitzNews.com and I've been investigating the Murdoch family for the last two and a half years. This is the Murdoch Murders Podcast. So this is the week of Thanksgiving, and I have a lot of people to thank this year. Starting out with our supporters, both of FitzNews.com and of the Murdoch Murders podcast. You all have helped lead us to this incredibly exciting moment that is honestly a dream come true for me. Today, live from the Kitchen Table studio, I want to introduce you to our new Murdoch Murders podcast co-host, Liz Farrell. Liz is my best friend, role model, former work wife, and forever partner in true crime. Liz taught me everything I know about investigative journalism. She was there with me at the beginning of the story on day one, which was February 24th, 2019, the day that Mallory Beach died. Together, we started pulling at strings as we investigated the tangled web of the Murdoch family in Hampton County. Liz was sitting across from me on the day that we now know was so important, the day that I found the one public document connected with the Satterfield settlement. We had heard a lot about the Murdoch family and their influence. We were told by our law enforcement sources, yes, there are good cops in the Lowcountry, that it was already looking like the fix was in on the boat crash investigation. When Mandy first found that filing, the words wrongful death obviously rang alarm bells. And it was exciting from a journalist's perspective that our team had discovered a new angle. But more than that, it was another example of why Mandy is such a good journalist and stands apart from most. She will go the distance and look under every rock to make sure she is getting to the truth of a situation. Mandy's immediate instinct was that something wasn't right with the filing. As we learned more about Alec, there was a clear conflict of interest in who was representing the Satterfield family, Alec's friend, Corey Fleming. But we had no idea at that time just how much this one document would end up changing the entire course of Alec Murdoch's story. Without that moment of Mandy discovering that filing and writing about it, this past Friday never would have happened. Friday was a pivotal moment in the Murdoch murder saga in a day that many of us weren't sure would ever come. 
We ended the last episode that came out just a few days ago on a cliffhanger about how the South Carolina grand jury was convening in Columbia, South Carolina to discuss matters related to the Murdoch murders. And that was a story that was exclusively reported by my boss at Fitz News, Will Folks. And then Friday came and Alec Murdoch was indicted on more than two dozen counts. He stands accused of stealing a total of nearly $5 million from the family of Gloria Satterfield and three clients, including a South Carolina highway patrolman who was injured in the line of duty, according to indictments released on Friday. So when I first heard the news on Friday, of course, one of the first people I spoke to was Eric Bland, the attorney who has represented Satterfield's family since September and uncovered a paper trail that blew the story wide open. Lady Justice has been busy the past month for him. Since 2015, he's been practicing stealing, not practicing law. And you, he has. Because you got to work to do that. That's, that takes some thought. That takes some work. And you can't be a lawyer and a thief like that and do it both well. So he, he chose to do thievery well. Alec Murdoch faces 27 new charges and five indictments that were handed down by the South Carolina grand jury this week. Those new indictments include seven counts of money laundering, seven counts of obtaining a signature or property by false pretenses, eight counts of computer crimes, one count of forgery, and four counts of breach of trust with fraudulent intent. The 27 counts are a result of a multi-agency state-level investigation involving the South Carolina State Grand Jury, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, the FBI, and the South Carolina Attorney General's Office. But these are all state charges, which is interesting because the financial crimes are usually investigated by the feds and prosecuted by the feds. I asked Eric Bland about this. He gave such a black eye to this state. I think it's a combination of his, you know, uh, prosecutorial background. Um, it's a little bit of a payback, you know, probably against, you know, in a way his law firm and how they have, you know, created this, uh, what, what's called the judicial hellhole there. There's, there's, you know, whether there's payback or I think it's just the state saying we don't want a lawyer stealing like this and certainly not a prosecutor who uh, comes from a long line of prosecutors. Yeah. We're, we're going to establish law and order the way it should be. And uh, it's happening. I mean, it is, you know, like we said in our statement this morning, you know, when the dam of uh, justice breaks, it starts to come like a mighty river. In a lot of ways, the charges were shocking, and they made me and Eric Bland really sit back and realize that this is much deeper than anyone could have ever imagined, and that this is just the beginning. I can tell you that the charges are not the end. There, there are so many more victims, victims that I've seen. I've seen the checks, so there are more victims there. There are more charges coming. Okay. And, you know, it's a, it's a strong statement that should really um, cause Parpulian and Griffin to really stop because the state is not expending all of these resources and all of these all of this time just to turn it over to the feds at the at the end of all of this. The state of South Carolina is making a statement here. 
So we'll go over the five indictments and Liz will explain the meaning behind them. One of the alleged schemes took place in Bamber County, South Carolina between March and July 2021. We will go over why those dates are significant. In this scheme, Murdoch is accused of convincing an attorney from another law firm who was working on a case with him to write three checks totaling nearly $800,000 for his share of legal fees in the lawsuit. Murdoch told the attorney that he was going to structure the fees because of his civil liability in the Mallory Beach boat crash lawsuit, according to the indictment. He lied to the attorney, according to the indictment, and said that PMPED was aware of this. And ultimately, Murdoch never structured the fees. He just took the money himself. This indictment gives us a little more insight into Ellick's unraveling between March and July of 2021 and around the time of the murders of Maggie and Paul in June. Attorney sources have told us that law firms like PMPED have tight controls over their accounting and that it would have been very difficult for Ellick to have stolen from the firm for a long time without getting caught. It appears PMPED had reason to know of Ellick's unorthodox financial practices in July at the very least. This indictment, however, only gives us a small view of what was happening while Ellick's life was collapsing around him. We don't know the full scope of what the law firm knew and what they did with that information when they knew it. And we don't know yet how many more cases there are like this. This brings us to indictment number two. Between January and May of this year, Murdoch is accused of convincing South Carolina Highway Patrol trooper Thomas E. Moore, who was injured in the line of duty, to sign over his settlement proceeds to the Murdoch law firm, PMPED. He's also accused of falsely telling Moore that the money would not be available until the lawsuit was complete. Murdoch is then accused of depositing $125,000 in settlement proceeds into the Forge account that he allegedly created to steal money from clients and others. Of all the indictments, perhaps this one speaks the most to Alex's character, or lack thereof, in the months leading up to the double homicide of Maggie and Paul this year. Listen, like I said, I said it to you a couple weeks ago, there's no bottom to him. He's, you know, morally decrepit and uh, proves it again today. He stole money from a policeman. He's a solicitor stealing money from a client that that's not bad enough. Let's just go a little deeper and steal it from a policeman. Who doesn't make a lot of money to begin with? He's going to go, you know, you, everybody talks about Larry Jean Bell and all these other people, Pete Wee Gaskins, and, and they're killers. There's no question about it. And there is a difference right now. But he's as morally bankrupt as they are. That Ellick got away with this for so long shows us just how impenetrable the Murdoch's position in the criminal justice system has been here. The South Carolina Highway Patrol is the same agency that was bizarrely tasked with investigating the homicide of Stephen Smith just a few years prior to this alleged theft from one of their own. This should send an important message to the rumored Murdoch enablers in law enforcement, the ones who have allegedly received cash payments in exchange for their off-books services, the ones who are said to have assisted them in clouding up crime scenes and criminal investigations, the ones who gave them prosecutorial credentials to flash around the 14th Circuit, the ones behind the gavel who broke the rules for them or looked the other way, the ones who have allegedly bullied people from speaking their truth. This is what he thinks of you.
Years before, the name Alec Murdoch was splashed across every major media outlet. I was a local South Carolina journalist, and I had an instinct that something wasn't right in the Low Country. The powerful Murdoch dynasty dominated rural South Carolina for generations. Few dared to publicly utter a harsh word against them. From the newsroom to the courtroom to the kitchen table where we recorded the number one global hit, The Murdoch Murders Podcast, I invite you to learn more about my new book, Blood on Their Hands, a propulsive true crime saga, an empathetic work of investigative journalism, and an excoriation of the good old boy systems that enabled a network of criminals. Click the link in the description to pre-order today. Visit any retailers near you when it releases November 14th, 2023, or visit lunasharkmedia.com book to learn the best way you can stay pesky and stay in the sunlight. Now we are at the third indictment. Between August and September 2016 in Colleton County, South Carolina, Murdoch allegedly used his prestige and reputation as a lawyer to defraud one of his clients, who was being compensated $70,000 for his injuries. According to the indictment, Murdoch convinced this man to make a $70,000 check out for, again, his structured settlement to the infamous Forge account. And we all know what happened then. Ellick allegedly deposited the money into his own bank account. The fourth indictment is from the Gloria Satterfield settlement, which we all know about. Nine of the new charges are related to the botched Gloria Satterfield settlement. That brings us to the fifth indictment, which is in Allendale County. Between October 2015 and October 2016, Murdoch is accused of defrauding his client, a man named Dion J. Martin, out of almost $400,000 through, again, the forge scheme that was uncovered during the Satterfield settlement. There are a few big takeaways in these indictments. One is that the public is getting an even better view of the heads or tails reputation of the Murdoch dynasty, where on the head side, the Murdochs are known for treating people with humanity and generosity. But on the tail side, they're known for seeing people as nothing more than disposable servants to their needs. People who are not worth another thought after they've served their purpose to this family. Another is that four of the five indictments handed down November 18th involved money that was allegedly stolen from clients. Three of those clients had amounts taken from them that were far less than the million dollar settlements Murdoch's law firm was famous for. The smaller amounts are actually much more typical of regular day-to-day -day insurance settlements, the kind of meaningful money you might get after a setback. Money that makes a difference in your life, provides some relief in the face of injury or loss, fills a need in the family budget and helps you get back on your feet so you can get back to work. That Alec is accused of picking pennies from the pockets of ordinary people, most of whom didn't have the opportunities or privileges or automatic access to power that were afforded to him, shows us just what kind of selfish, dismissive, and destructive person he is. So this is obviously a lot of new information, and it's really jaw-dropping, even from those of us who have thought of Ellick as a bottomless pit for a very long time. Now, just an hour before details of the indictment were announced by the South Carolina Attorney General's office on Friday, Ellick Murdoch's attorney, Jim Griffin, told the Island Packet, quote, this doesn't appear to add anything new to the case other than additional charges. I'm sorry, what? The depth of the new charges filed against Alec Murdoch clearly contradict Griffin's assessment. And this is yet another confusing move on behalf of Alec Murdoch's defense team, quote unquote, the Bulldogs, Jim Griffin, and Dick Harpootlian. 
On November 17th, Dick Harpootlian and Jim Griffin filed a shocking motion asking the court to dismiss the Gloria Satterfield lawsuit. Harpootlian and Griffin, who are now representing the disgraced attorney in multiple criminal cases and lawsuits, argued in a motion to dismiss the lawsuit, saying that Gloria Satterfield's sons have been fully compensated for their alleged losses. Therefore, Alec Murdoch, who was allegedly the ringleader in the scheme, should not have to pay any money back. Now, for a reminder, Satterfield Sons have settled with five parties connected to the botched wrongful death settlement since their attorneys filed a lawsuit in September. Alec Murdoch is the only remaining party in that case who has not paid them a dime. And their attorneys, since they filed the lawsuit, have recovered more than $6.5 million from five other parties allegedly connected to the scheme. And this week... Harpootlian and Griffin had the, as Eric Bland puts it, balls to file this motion claiming basically that Alec Murdoch deserves to escape civil accountability in this case because he is entitled to a credit for more than the $6 million paid by all the other alleged settling tortfeasors, end quote. So it probably feels like we're rewinding here, but this was such a big moment on Wednesday. People were furious after everything that's come out in the Gloria Satterfield settlement in the last few months, and then Alec still wants to escape fault and not admit that he's wrong and not be held accountable. And of course, one of those people who was extremely furious on Wednesday was Eric Bland. As you can tell, I'm a little bit upset here. This, not surprising, not surprising. I told you he was going to do it. But I didn't expect the first argument that I get to keep the money because I'm declaring that the Satterfields have been fully paid. I didn't think anybody had the, the set of balls to actually put that in a plea. Yes, if I took the money, I get to keep it because somebody else repaid it for me. Bland was blown away by this motion and confused as to why Dick and Jim, two previously highly respected lawyers in South Carolina, would stick their necks out for someone like Alec Murdoch. It's just another action that you're scratching, you're left scratching your head and saying, is there a master strategy here or are they just winging it? The bail, you know, the habeas corpus before the Supreme Court or gone into magistrate court and the deal was already cut for the bail. All this stuff you're wondering, you know, is he that much smarter than everybody else? He sees it in this battlefield differently, or is it really, they're just winging it. I could see him laughing, saying, hey, this is great. I'm gonna make a motion that says, plaintiff doesn't have any damages because they've been fully paid. What he didn't really think about is, what I'm really saying is, my thief gets to keep the money. We were all puzzled at Fitz News coming up with theories as to why Dick and Jim would make such a brazen, ballsy move as the eyes of the world were on this case. Here's Liz. Okay, so there are a couple of theories here. The first would be the most obvious and perhaps most despicable, and that is Alec actually believes he doesn't owe Gloria's sons any money. Another theory would be that the charges are piling up now, and this is another sign they may be exploring ways to pin the missing Satterfield money on someone else, like Alec's best friend, Corey Fleming. And they want to create some space for Alec's innocence in the future. 
Yet another theory is one that is very puzzling to us. A researcher and several lawyers who spoke with Fitz News believe the filing could be a Trojan horse in that State Senator Harpootlian and Mr. Griffin know that their arguments to dismiss Alec have no legal standing and their real objective here is to delay the case. The reason this seems so bizarre to the both of us is that it's akin to lighting your face on fire to get out of gym class when you could save everyone the drama and just say you have cramps. Is there a plan here? Because every move Dick and Jim have made in the last month has appeared to be self-inflicted. I asked Eric Bland this question. Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. They got punched in the face last month when that bail got denied. They got punched in the face when Judge Hall granted the motion for a receivership. They got punched in the face when Judge Newman denied bond for the second time. They're getting punched in the face at every turn. It's not their fault. They didn't make up the facts. Now, they chose to dive into this uh, deep end. They didn't have to. They could have just as easily have said, hey, we're representing Alex Murdoch on a limited basis on this criminal charge, dealing with the Labor Day shooting, or even the Gloria Satterfield stuff. But they chose to dive into these civil cases. And now that they're in, it's going to be difficult for them to get out. I don't think there's a plan, by the way. I don't think there's this grand strategy that, you know, Dick sees this field at 30,000 feet and everybody else is down here at the 5,000 foot level. Um, he, there are certainly cases that he does. And there's certainly um, cases that I've seen that he has pulled monkeys out of a hat and, uh, you know, really gotten an amazing result. It just isn't going to happen here. It isn't going to happen because he can't do what he does best, which is uh, leverage relationships and, and, and good deeds that he's done over the years and, and, um, and, and good work. You're not getting credit for that here. There's too much sunlight. You're not, Mandy Matney is not going to let that happen. No judge is going to be the judge that signs off on stuff that happens in the darkness of a, of a judge's chamber. It's not going to happen. He's not going to be able to plead to just one count of, of obtaining money by false pretenses and one count of, uh, you know, money laundering and he's going to get three years. It's not going to happen, Mandy. The outrage, um, forget the, rank-and-file people. The bar is not going to let it happen. Yeah. Our, we as lawyers are on trial right now. And I can't tell you how many lawyers, defense lawyers, that used to hate me and still do because I sue lawyers, Mandy. Mm -hmm. I get phone calls and emails. Keep up the good work. Keep up the fight. They want to clean it up. They're not happy with what happens in Hampton County when their uh, corporations and defense clients get sued. They're not happy with Alex Murdoch stealing money. I'm not. No lawyer is. It, it's a pollution of our profession. The thing that doesn't get talked about enough in this case is the magnitude of State Senator Dick Harpootlian's influence, not only legally and legislatively, 
not only locally and federally, but in the mainstream media too. They love them some Harpo. When you are paying for Senator Harpootlian to represent you as your attorney, you are paying for that power. He has influence over who becomes a judge, how much money SLED gets in its budget, and most of all, he has access to information about ongoing investigations involving his clients that other attorneys, and public defenders especially, simply do not have. On the surface, it appears that Senator Harpootlian and Mr. Griffin were blindsided by these indictments. That now famous quote in a Low Country newspaper just an hour or so before the details of the indictments were announced to the public sure seems like they didn't know what was going on. Their audacious and desperate seeming tactics of late also seem to point to an increasing inability to execute the same old tricks that have brought them this far in their careers. If that is the case, if Alex's attorneys were truly not aware of what was happening, this is encouraging and could be another sign that the good old boy system might fall to its knees for good this time. So Eric and I had a moment on Friday as we looked back on all the dominoes that had to fall in order to get to this moment where Alec is facing a lifetime of charges. Now the story of the Murdoch murder saga is going to be told over and over by Netflix people and documentary douchebags. I will talk about them later. And helicopter journalists from the Wall Street Journal, etc., etc. But none of them are going to include in their stories what Eric said to me today, no matter how many times he tells them. And I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I do want other small town journalists to know that all of this started out with a couple local reporters at a dying newspaper who just shared a common instinct that something was wrong. But you did it. You. You uncovered the petition. You wrote the article. You were the spark that lit the fire. Eric Harriet saw your article and went to his sister, Ginger, and started asking questions. And then the family asked questions, and then they went to Mark Tinsley, and then Mark Tinsley sent them to me. But Mandy Matney, you lit the spark. You took down Alex Murdoch. I couldn't have done it without I help. I help. I help. <laughs> you definitely helped <laughs> a whole lot. Um, but yeah, I, it is crazy. And but also, I mean, I do give the credit a lot of. Credit. No, it's a heavy. It's a. It's a. It's a lot. It's a heavy uh, thought. It is. That in your life, in your lifetime, you did something that will be transformative. That will be generational. That was the right thing to do. You changed the world because you you're taking a guy off the street. It was. Not just harming one person; he was harming a lot of different people. This is a serial criminal, a serial thief, a serial penslinger. I call him a penslinger. You could call him a gunslinger. I call him a serial penslinger. You do not know that when people don't get money and they don't get treatment for their injuries and internal yeah, injury cases, yeah. that they're not that they're that they're not physically or really but now but now you know i was with them yesterday and i will tell you this money has a way obviously of making of solving wounds but they're smiling because they do realize that their sister this quote housekeeper that everybody likes to just call a housekeeper didn't die in vain Mallory Beach didn't die in vain they were responsible their death for bringing down Alex Murdoch. Yeah. 
How many more people would he have continued to victimize? Yeah, absolutely. And again, I'm not sharing this because I want praise. I'm sharing this because oftentimes the good old boys make people like me feel like bringing down an entire system is so impossible and way too complicated. But at the heart of it, it isn't. And I say this because I know a lot of journalists are out there listening and I want them to know that they too can change the world. Every day, journalists have choices. They can take the easy route, the story spoon-fed by a defense attorney because you know you will need him for quotes in other spoon-fed stories later on. Or you can take on the story that makes you proud when you go to bed every night, the story that you can't shake until the truth is out, the story that can change an entire justice system and make people's lives better, the story that can change the world if you don't give up. I hope you take the hard story. I hope that you too change the world through the goodness of your heart and the power of your voice. There are so many questions that we have to answer in this never-ending Murdoch murder saga. Who killed Maggie and Paul? Who killed Stephen? What happened to Gloria? How many victims are out there? He's loaded up to, you know, over hundreds of years of time. This is even before you get to the end of the white-collar crimes. There's other victims, Mandy. I have seen the checks that have come from the Murdoch law firm to forge. There's individual bank accounts that have not been um, publicly discussed. So we haven't gotten to the end of the white collar stuff. You haven't gotten to Cousin Eddie. You haven't gotten to, to the point of, okay, why is he receiving all these payments? What are they for? Is the, are those crimes? Yeah. Are there are there laundering crimes going on there? Yeah. You haven't gotten to the Maggie and Paul killings. Not that he had anything to do with it, but somebody's going to have to determine and and make a final statement on how they occurred. It's just not going to sit out there that they they got shot and killed and 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 there's you know their crimes are going to go unsolved. Yeah. This is really serious stuff and and i believe after talking with uh creighton waters that it's a lot of information this grand jury was processing and and they're being given it to them in in increment meals instead of just throwing it all at adam at once you know it's a lot to process when you when you process you know, obtaining the money by false pretenses, a computer crime, and a money laundering for this, you know, for each separate victim. It can all really be daunting when I stop and think that we're just scratching the surface here. But because you all believed in us, and because you invested in accountability journalism, we now have another truth seeker, which is Liz Farrell, working for us around the clock to find answers to these questions. And I'm more confident than ever that we will get answers in this, no matter how long it takes. Happy Thanksgiving to all of the Murdoch Murders podcast fans out there. And again, subscribe to fitznews.com and check out murdochmurderspodcast.com so you too can support our mission.
There's so much to unpack in this case, and Mandy works tirelessly to expose the truth. But the truth is, she works hard, and she does get tired. If you believe, like I do, that Mandy is the best in the business, and I'm a little biased, visit MurdochMurdersPodcast.com and click the Support the Show link to learn how you can help. Leave a five-star review to offset the haters. Refer an advertiser and get a finder's fee. Or advertise your company, product, or service. We can geotarget across the globe and find the right audience to suit your needs. Help us get Luna some treats so she doesn't interrupt the show as much. And absolutely subscribe to FitzNews.com. Mandy and Will are revolutionizing journalism, and your subscriptions are invaluable to that mission. Plus, you get awesome content every day. And don't forget to leave a five-star review, unless you're going to be nasty and talk about my vocal fry. The Murdoch Murders podcast is created by me, Mandy Matney, and my fiancé, David Moses. Produced by Luna Shark Productions. (laughs) 